I want to share with you a story about my personal hero. You've probably never heard of her, but her name is worth knowing. And her name is Lydia Tillman. And this is Lydia's story. On the night of July 4th, Lydia was attending a fireworks celebration in Colorado. And a stranger that Someone night... she'd never met before. ...sexually assaulted her, strangled her, beat her head, shattered her jaw, and left her for dead in her apartment. And to cover his crime, he doused her and her apartment in bleach and set it all on fire leaving her for dead. Somehow, somehow, despite this physical trauma, Tillman found the strength to survive by leaping out of her second story window and running into an ambulance that just happened to arrive. And when the medics asked her whether she knew her assailant, Lydia told them no, 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 before suffering a stroke that left her in a coma for over five weeks. On the morning that she was attacked, Lydia's father received a call from the hospital. And when they got to the hospital, he said, we couldn't recognize Lydia. There was no way you would know that it was her. Her head was all swelled up, black and blue. No way to recognize her. The only signs that allowed Lydia's family to identify her were a ring that she wore and a tattoo on her leg. She was attacked. She was raped. She was beaten to the edge of her life, doused her body in bleach. And you know what? The bleach is what led the police to the suspect. Because as it turns out, bleach was the satanic calling card of his horrific crimes. Lydia lived and after being in her coma for five weeks she emerged from it and two days after she emerged from it she began writing the statement that she would eventually submit to the court at this man's sentencing and with her father standing at her side in a packed courtroom of friend and family supporters she stared defiantly at the man who sat constrained in chains only a few feet away and in her statement which took her hours to write because remember she's had a massive stroke and a world of damage to her body and brain from this man known as the bleach monster for he was a serial killer and she was not his first victim just the only one to survive and with great difficulty for her speech had been affected by all of her injuries she read her statement in court and she said Travis Forbes, you caused me no harm. My spirit, my soul, and my mind remain untouched. May you find peace in this life. I forgive forgive you. And she told ABC News in a written statement, it was my intention to find the strength in my heart to forgive Travis Forbes. I I did. I felt extreme anger toward him. Then I felt sad for him. He must be in so much extreme pain to so brutally hurt another human. Lydia wears a bracelet now as she continues her recovery. 
and she shall always be continuing her recovery. And the bracelet says, live your days inspired anew. And that's what I'm here to do. If Lydia Tillman could do that, I can do that. You can do that. We can all live our days inspired anew. As long as we have her courage, her strength, her fortitude, resilience, faith, compassion, and deep, deep love. And thank you, Lydia. If you're out there somewhere hearing this, you are a beacon of light and hope to the world. You prove that no one can be demonized. Not by monsters, not by devils, not by nanobots, not by AI, not, not by, by gaslighting doctors, not by friends, lovers, or foes. The Creator made us human, and nobody can undo His work. You can break me like a record. You can tear me limb from limb. You can leave me in the desert. To be seen again You can die Fly Surprise I will rise Yeah, that's right I'm down here right now Moving this rock from the top of my tomb Let me show you how a body Can self-exhume Thanks for listening and stay tuned Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's crystal clear here. If you haven't guessed it by now, you're listening to a show called More Morgulons. It's season 10. We started this season by going to the future, having conversations with artificial intelligence. We proceeded by coming to the present and having conversations with Morgies. And now I would like to travel to the past, going back hundreds of years to tell you another story, a French folktale called Bluebeard. This story is very special to me, and I hope that it is special to you. I want to talk to you about it afterwards and ask you some questions. So get out your pen and paper. There's going to be a test. Young people, pen and paper is something we used to use to text each other, but it took a long time, and we had to kill trees and do all kinds of crazy shit to make it happen. So anyway... Sit back, relax. There's not really a test. I just want to talk about this story that changed my life. I hope it maybe at least jiggles yours around a little bit. Stay tuned.
There is a hank of beard which is kept at the convent of the white nuns in the far mountains. How it came to the convent, no one knows. Some say it was the nuns who buried what was left of his body, for no one else would touch it. Why the nuns would keep such a relic is unknown, but it is true. My friend's friend has seen it with her own eyes. She says the beard is blue, indigo colored to be exact. It is as blue as the dark ice in the lake, as blue as the shadow of a hole at night. This beard was once worn by one who they say was a failed magician, a giant man with an eye for women, a man known by the name of Bluebeard. Twas said he courted three sisters at the same time. They were frightened of his beard with its odd blue cast, and so they hid when he called. In an effort to convince them of his geniality, he invited them on an outing in the forest. He arrived leading horses arrayed in bells and crimson ribbons. He set the sisters and their mother upon the horses, and off they cantered into the forest. There they had a most wonderful day riding, and their dogs ran beside and ahead. Later, they stopped beneath a giant tree, and Bluebeard regaled them with stories and fed them dainty treats. The sisters began to think, well, perhaps this man Bluebeard is not so bad after all. They returned home all a chatter about how interesting the day had been, and did they not have a good time? Yet the two older sisters' suspicions and fears returned, and they vowed not to see Bluebeard again. But the youngest sister thought if a man could be that charming, then perhaps he was not so bad. The more she talked to herself, the less awful he seemed, and also the less blue his beard. So when Bluebeard asked for her hand in marriage, she accepted. She had given his proposal great thought and felt she was to marry a very elegant man. Marry they did, and after rode off to his castle in the woods. One day he came to her and said, I must go away for a time. Invite your family here if you like. You may ride in the woods, charge the cooks to set a feast. You may do anything you like, anything your heart desires. In fact, here is my ring of keys. You may open any and every door to the storerooms, the money rooms, any door in the castle. But this little tiny key, the one with the scroll work on top, do not use. His bride replied, Yes, I will do as you ask. It all sounds very fine. So go, my dear husband, and do not have a worry and come back soon. And so off he rode and she stayed. Her sisters came to visit and they were, as all souls are, very curious about what the master had said was to be done while he was away. The young wife gaily told them. He said, we may do anything we desire and enter any room we wish except one, but I don't know which one it is. I just have a key and I don't know which door it fits. The sisters decided to make a game of finding which key fit which door. The castle was three stories high with a hundred doors in each wing. And as there were many keys on the ring, they crept from door to door, having an immensely good time throwing open each door. Behind one door, were the kitchen stores, behind another the money stores. All manner of holdings were behind the doors and everything seemed more wonderful all the time. At last, having seen all these marvels, they came finally to the cellar and at the end of the corridor, a blank wall. They puzzled over the last key, the one with the little scroll work on top. Maybe this key doesn't fit anything at all. As they said this, they heard an odd sound. They peeked around the corner, and lo and behold, there was a small door just closing. 
When they tried to open it again, it was firmly locked. One cried, Sister, sister, bring your key. Surely this is the door for that mysterious little key. Without a thought, one of the sisters put the key in the door and turned it. The lock scolded. The door swung open, but it was so dark inside they could not see. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm so sorry, I gotta apologize for that commercial break. I just have to do it, but all cliffhangers aside, let's hear the rest of Bluebeard. They peeked around the corner and lo and behold, there was a small door just closing. When they tried to open it again, it was firmly locked. One cried, sister, sister, bring your key. Surely this is the door for that mysterious little key. Without a thought, one of the sisters put the key in the door and turned it. The lock scolded, the door swung open, but it was so dark inside, they could not see. Sister, sister, bring a candle. So a candle was lit and held into the room. And all three women screamed at once, for in the room was a mire of blood, and the blackened bones of corpses were flung about, and skulls were stacked in corners like pyramids of apples. They slammed the door shut, shook the key out of the lock, and leaned against one another, gasping, breasts heaving. My God! My God! The wife looked down at the key and saw it was stained with blood. Horrified, she used the skirt of her gown to wipe it clean, but the blood pre-revealed. Oh no! She cried. Each sister took the tiny key in her hands and tried to make it as it once was, but the blood remained. The wife hid the tiny key in her pocket and ran to the cook's kitchen. When she arrived, her white dress was stained red from pocket to hem, for the key was slowly weeping drops of dark red blood. She ordered the cook, Quick, give me some horse hair. She scoured the key, but it would not stop bleeding. Drop after drop of pure red blood issued from the tiny key. She took the key outside, and from the oven, she pressed ashes into it and scrubbed some more. She held it to the heat to sear it. She laid cobweb over it to staunch the flow. But nothing could make the weeping blood subside. What am I to do? She cried. I know. I'll put the little key away. I'll put it in the wardrobe. I'll close the door. This is a bad dream. All will be all right. And this she did do. Her husband came home the very next morning, and he strode into the castle calling for his wife. Well, how was it while I was away? It was very fine, sir. And how are my storerooms? Very fine, sir. And how are my money rooms? He growled. The money rooms are fine also, sir. So everything is good, wife? Yes, everything is good. Well, then you'd best return my keys. Within a glance, he saw a key was missing. Where's the smallest key? I, I lost it. 
Yes, I lost it. I was out riding and the key ring fell down and I must have lost a key. What have you done with it, woman? I, I don't remember. Don't lie to me. Tell me what you did with that key. He put his hand to her face as if to caress her cheek, but instead seized her hair. You infidel! He snarled and threw her to the floor. You've been into the room, haven't you? He threw open her wardrobe and the little key on the top shelf had bled, blood red, down all the beautiful silks of her gowns hanging there. Now it's your turn, milady. He screamed and dragged her down the hall and into the cellar till they were before the terrible door. Bluebeard merely looked at the door with his fiery eyes and the door opened for him. There lay the skeletons of all his previous wives. And now, he roared, but she caught hold of the doorframe and would not let go. She pleaded for her life. Please, please allow me to compose myself and prepare for my death. Give me but a quarter hour before you take my life so I can make my peace with God. All right, you have a quarter of an hour, but be ready. The wife raced up the stairs to her chamber and posted her sisters on the castle ramparts. She knelt to pray, but instead called out to her sisters. Sisters, sisters, do you see our brothers coming? I see nothing, nothing on the open plains. Every few moments she cried up to the ramparts. Sisters, sisters, you see our brothers coming? We, we see a whirlwind, perhaps a dust devil in the distance. Meanwhile, Bluebeard roared for his wife to come to the cellar so he could behead her. Again, she called out, Sister, sisters, you see our brothers coming. Bluebeard shouted for his wife again and began to clomp up the stone steps. Her sisters cried out, Yes, we see them. Our brothers are here and they have just entered the castle. Bluebeard strode down the hall towards his wife's chamber. I am coming to get you, he bellowed. His footfalls were dense. The rocks in the hallway came loose. The sand from the mortar poured onto the floor. As Bluebeard lumbered into her chambers with his hands outstretched to seize her, her brothers on horseback galloped down the castle hallway and charged into her room as well. There they routed Bluebeard out onto the parapet. There and then, with swords, they advanced upon him, striking and slashing, cutting and whipping, beating Bluebeard down to the ground, killing him at last, and leaving for the buzzards his blood and gristle. And that's the bedtime story that my dad would tell me every night before I went to... No, I'm just fucking kidding, man. That... This story's creepy as hell, and my dad's cool. Maybe I should have done a trigger warning before this story, but life doesn't have trigger warnings, so I kind of don't believe in that. Hope you're okay out there. But I'll ask you now what my spiritual teacher asked me over 10 years ago when he first told me this story. He asked me, how did this story start? How did this story start? And I said, um, with a hank of beard in a monastery? And he said, wow, no, no one ever answers that. So if you did not answer that, don't 
like you did not fail this test. It is not a test. We're just having a conversation. Um, but yeah, a lot of people forget that this story starts with the white nuns and the hank of Bluebeard, the relic, what was left of his body when they were done with him. They keep it in the monastery and they have for many, many years. Does this story remind you of Morgulon's? Last night I was talking to Brandon, a gentleman that was on a recent episode of this show. I think it's called True Story, True Morgy Stories or something. Um, and I told this story last night to Brandon and he agreed with me that there's something very mortal on about this story. And it's not just the horse hairs. Did y'all catch that part? I was like, what? I haven't read this or heard this story in a long time. Certainly since I uh, got morgues. Um, I forgot about that. This kind of a funny little coinky dink. Um, but I really want to talk about this story and what you think it means. But I also want to ask you one more question that my spiritual teacher asked me. He asked me, and who do you identify most with of all the characters in this story? And I thought about it. And I said, I think I identify with Bluebeard and the youngest sister. I identify with both of them. I'm curious, who do you identify with in this story? I want you guys to think about it and get back to me. Because I have a lot of thoughts about it. And I'm going to share them with you on the next episode, whether or not I hear from anybody. But sit on that for a while. Marinate on it. Don't tell it as a bedtime story to your children. But do think about it. And get back to me. Moremortalons at gmail.com. Or you can click the link in the show description and leave me a voice message. It cuts off after 60 seconds. Leave as many as you want. All right. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. <laughs>